Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of Southern California and USC. I'm Sana Mahmood, coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Kevin Gramling. It's Monday, March 6th, 2023. On today's show, a new initiative from LA Metro seeks to make writing safer. We don't need a full-on armed officer for many of these instances. We can go with something less, something more friendly. Thornton voice performance gives senior students a place to show off their talents. And a conversation with our very own radio executive producer, Valeria Diaz, on trans coverage. All of this and more on From Where We Are, after these news headlines. Russian forces bombed a vital bridge in Bakhmut, a city in the east of Ukraine. President Zelensky vowed not to retreat, but it's unclear how reinforcements will reach the Ukrainian forces. This battle represents an important turning point in the war. A lifeline for Ukraine's forces severed. Four Americans were kidnapped in Mexico after crossing the border to buy medicine. The group was abducted into a vehicle by armed men, allegedly being mistaken as drug smugglers. An innocent Mexican citizen was killed due to the encounter. The FBI announced a reward of $50,000 for the return of the victims and the arrest of those involved. The White House also released a statement. These sorts of attacks are unacceptable. Our thoughts are with the families of these individuals, and we stand ready to provide all appropriate consular assistance. U.S. law enforcement is in touch with Mexican law enforcement. Sales of a USC professor's forthcoming book have been suspended amid claims of plagiarism. Titled The Book of Animal Secrets, Nature's Lessons for a Long and Happy Life, Dr. David Angus's book has almost exact similarities to blog posts and research studies. Angus has vowed to release a new version of his book, free from plagiarism. Under criticism for rising grocery prices due to inflation, the Biden administration is considering the mass vaccination of poultry. The avian flu's death toll is in the tens of millions and shows no sign of stopping. Even if Biden's vaccination plan comes to fruition, experts estimate it'll be at least two years before the billions of chickens can be vaccinated. Former President Jimmy Carter is close to eradicating the guinea worm parasite. Last year, the number of reported cases dropped to 13. At its height in 1986, 3.5 million people were afflicted. Every year since then, Jimmy Carter's guinea worm eradication program has decreased the spread of infection. The UC plagiarism thing is pretty crazy. It is really crazy. I know. If I was a student of his, I would plagiarize on an essay, (laughs) and then I would look him in the face when I get an ethics violation and just tilt my head a little bit, and it would say everything. Yeah. This morning at downtown Los Angeles's Union Station, the new Metro Ambassador program was unveiled. With the introduction of the program, which will employ around 300 Metro Ambassadors into rail systems around the city comes more skepticism from local residents. Here's Nina Mutat-Dot with the story. At a podium in downtown Los Angeles's Union Station, surrounded by local residents and leaders, a new safety measure for the LA Metro was brought to light. LA Metro is employing what they refer to as Metro Ambassadors, 
unarmed individuals whose role is to connect riders to resources and report safety concerns for the public. The new 300 ambassadors will seek to improve the overall quality and safety of users' experiences on LA's public transportation. We're hoping that metro ridership increases, that we have very few incidents of crime, overdose, homelessness, and that we can bring the system to an even higher level than we have it currently. That was Ara Nijarian, chairman of the LA Metro Board of Directors and a city councilman from the city of Glendale. Najarian has brought hopes for the future of the ambassador program, but when it got to specifics about safety, the chairman looked more into the future than present actions. The evolution of this program, from its ideation to its current employment, has finally morphed into a three- to five-year pilot program of non-armed local liaisons. Some of us, including myself, thought the answer was to increase uh, by large numbers the numbers of law enforcement uh, officers. The uh, alternative that was raised by several directors was, you know what, we don't need a full-on armed officer for many of these instances. We can go with something less, something more friendly, and thereby the concept of the transit ambassadors came. The role of Metro Ambassadors was initially more logistics-based, with less regard to safety. However, as crime and drug overdoses in the Metro system increased, with this year's number of deaths already tied with that of 2022, some last-minute changes had to be made. We're hoping that they're going to be able to make the call. We can get help to that person. Uh, we're hoping that they'll be uh, able to administer and get trained in the use of Narcan to help revive individuals in an emergency situation. So um, we hope that that's going to help solve the, the drug use and, and abuse issue that we have in Metro. So far, Ambassadors haven't been trained extensively in safety, with their main course of action being calling external forces for help if they see something occurring. Despite these mentions of an increased concern for safety, the Metro solutions are unclear for some riders. One of these riders is Stephen Klodsky, a resident of Los Angeles and a frequent user of the Metro. They need to put more security. It doesn't have to be armed police officers, but somebody that kind of keeps an eye on things. Klodsky has also noticed differences in safety depending on the line you ride around the city. They need to improve that a little bit, especially when you go down like to the blue line, you know, Long Beach. Here's not so bad, but in the later hours, you got to be careful. The program has been running since September 2022, and despite Najarian's hopes for success, only time will tell whether this program will ensure LA riders safer trips. For Annenberg Media, I'm Nina Muterot. I'm Kevin Gramling. We're glad you're with us for From Where We Are. And I'm Sana Mahmood. It's seven minutes past the hour. Coming up, Thornton students play on their talent on their senior showcase. Music is food for the soul. And that could not have been better represented than by the sold-out Thornton end-of-year showcase at the El Rey Theater Sunday night. Sarah Khan has the story. Jamelia Johnson sings it out at the end-of-year showcase last night. 
She and her fellow graduating seniors, a part of Thornton's popular music program, held their final performance as students. They showcased their hard work and growth of the past four years. This concert gives students the opportunity to take charge of their artistry. Senior Jamelia Johnson opened the show and performed two of her own songs that she worked on with another student in the program. I performed two songs, two that I am releasing very soon. The first was Spotlight, um, written and both written and co-produced by my best friend, and he's my bassist as well, Austin Brown. Collaboration is key to these showcases. Students work together as artists to create a show that highlights their unique skills. Austin Brown also performed. He's a senior in the popular music program as well, and he was glad to see the collaborative work he did come to fruition. Uh, since last year, we wrote some of those songs, and we kind of just wrote it for fun, not for class or for anything, but just because we were friends and we wanted to work together. Over time, those songs transformed into something that we could perform, and I'm really happy that Jamia chose to pick those songs to do at the Senior Showcase. Collaboration is just one of the many moving pieces that went into the Senior Showcase this year. USC Thornton professor Chris Sampson founded the program. He says this senior wrap-up performance gives the students a taste of the music industry in a professional environment. My hope is that the, the, the showcase can serve as a little bit of a as a as a little bit of a introduction to the stages that they're going to experience later. So one of the things that we want to make sure of is, is that they get used to the professional environments that they're going to be in. Samson lists just some of the venues his students have gone on to play. Uh, our students in the popular music program have gone on to perform on some of the world's significant stages, Madison Square Garden, Staples Center, Hollywood Bowl, just to name a few. And <clears throat> you want to be prepared for that. The showcase gives students a taste of their future, and while doing that, it's also an emotionally charged culmination of their time as students in the pop music program. It was a special moment for our class as a whole. Austin Brown looks forward as he looks back. It's the last time we perform together. We're all performance majors. We used to perform every quarter, every year together, and now this is the last time that we all perform as one unit. Maria McMillan is a senior in the program with an emphasis on keyboards. And she sings. She's filled with pride at the show that was put on last night. I feel very, like, like satisfied and really proud of the work that me and my classmates put in the show that we put on last night. Watch the Emotions are always high at this end-of-year showcase. Watch the sky fade dark blue. Ellie Williams also sang last night. For her, this performance represents a full circle moment. I remember as a senior in high school, I came to one of the senior showcases. Before I even knew I got in, I just kind of wanted to go to see it. Um, and I remember just being blown away by the performers and all of the music that was played. So being able to kind of go through that process now, I think it just kind of signifies a greater, like you did it, you made it through, you kind of like did the whole thing. In music, there's often a pause before things really take off. 
that should be the case for these graduating Thornton seniors. For Annenberg Media, I'm Sarah Khan. Trans issues have been a topic of discussion amongst journalists and media sources recently. 200 New York Times contributors signed an open letter calling out the New York Times for their coverage of transgender issues. And then a day later, the New York Times published a piece many found transphobic. Today, we're talking to our very own radio executive producer, Valeria Diaz, on the current state of trans coverage in the journalism industry. So I'm sure you are aware of the recent backlash and controversy surrounding the New York Times from many of their own writers and contributors regarding the way that their organization is covering um, trans communities and issues. So how do you feel about this? Have you ever felt any similarities while working at Annenberg Media Center? Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for doing this. Thank you so much for the interview and giving us a space to talk about this. I think it's a very important topic. I think being part of a newsroom that primarily serves a Gen Z audience and an audience that mm -hmm. is uh, the most kind of uh, impacted by these issues with the biggest share of uh, LGBT people being part of the Generation Z, our generation, mm -hmm. uh, younger audiences. I think it's very important for us to talk about this and have th these forums of discussion. I think that the coverage that has been going on has been most mostly very tone deaf to the real experiences of transgender mm. people. And I believe that they've been very detached from um, real lived experiences. And they've been mostly using um, outdated studies or studies mm -hmm. that uh, have been disproved due to their uh, flawed methodolo methodology, lack of uh, accurate sample pool, pool samples. Um, and I think that the, the effort really has to be made to cover these things with uh, a sense of uh, responsibility, mm -hmm. a sense of... Uh, wanting to do the right thing and wanting to be uh, objective while still being fair to a community that has suffered a lot in the hands of uh, media because media has a lot of power to yeah. to uplift but also hurt. Um, when it comes to, uh, you mentioned USC, I think um, there's been a, a really good recent push as well to to cover these issues. And this is testament to that. Mm -hmm. And again, we're speaking with Valeria Diaz, executive producer here at Annenberg Radio News. So... Again, about Annenberg Media, um, we we would love to hear like an elaboration on what you just said. How would you want to see Annenberg Media move forward when covering trans issues, um, especially in light of these recent controversies? But just in general, uh, what do you think it means to be mindful of these topics? I think going back, and that's a good question, I think going back to what I mentioned earlier in the mm -hmm. point, I think it's important to listen, listen to trans people, listen mm -hmm. to trans voices, especially trans voices that aren't really represented in media, that being black trans women, black trans men, other people of color, and other underrepresented communities within the trans community. Because mm -hmm. in the end, the trans community is very diverse. Uh, being trans is not something that only happens to a specific type of people. There's trans people that are also find themselves in other intersectionalities. Um, I think that there's um, other people that might have kind of these things be a part of their lives and they, they don't really get a chance to shine or to talk about it in in media. So I think that us as, again, a newsroom that serves Generation C and it's a newsroom that isn't a college um, environment, I think it's important for us to find those stories and uplift those voices 
and also do our research because I think that's the main issue that we're facing. A lot mm-hmm. of people kind of take that sensational approach. We saw recently um, a lot of issues with with the New York Times and um, also other other areas of, of of life, not even only in the way that people cover the topics, but also the, the way that people talk about them and how people cover people talking about them, like Jacob Rowling or people recently in the CPAC, uh, the conservative conference. There were also some mentions there as well that were covered, but we really have to, to listen to voices and mm-hmm. uh, do our research. Yeah. So you recently did an interview with ATVN. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and just looking back, you know, if you have, I don't know, any feedback or just thoughts on how the whole thing went? If you feel comfortable discussing it, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, you can find the interview as well. Um, it was done, I believe, last week. I don't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think it was Wednesday. I I was contacted by one of the ATVN reporters, also their executive producer, Mimi Geller, uh, and I was really pleased that they were going to cover the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something that wasn't being covered that day, either on community or radio, as far as I'm aware. I know that radio didn't cover it, but... Um, I was really happy to be a part of it and to give give a little bit of of, of my voice. Um, I think the the reporter did a really good job, um, and I think that um, I I really tried to also give uh, the the ATVN team other people that they could talk to because yeah. as as you guys mentioned, like I'm close to the newsroom, but I also feel like there's other voices again in other areas that should mm-hmm. also have their opinions. But I I think that it was. It was a good thing to have. It was a good step because I think that we haven't really seen a lot of coverage of trans issues. In the time that I've been here, that has been like two years, two and a half years, I haven't really seen that many, uh, mm. that much coverage of these issues. So it really kind of brought a smile to my face knowing that yeah. someone was like paying attention and listening and covering these issues. And mostly someone that wasn't also trans, someone that was cis and kind of like took mm-hmm. that initiative, uh, which I think that other... Um, other people might um, that might be from from the trans community or other minorities might agree that like um, that showcases good allyship. So yeah, thank you so much for for the yeah. Proactiveness. They were proactive. Well, I'm so glad you came in today. It was really great having to, being able to speak with you. That's all the time we have for the interview today. Thank you so much, Valeria. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all we have time on for today's From Where We Are. Valeria Diaz and Clémence Fagnot produced today's show. We had help from Nina Mutedat, Jack Smith, Lexi Klein, Shade Farjami, Dana Hammerstrom, and Jason Pham. Our board operator is Fernando Cienfuegos, our live stream manager, Rebecca Zhao, and Derek Renfro composed our theme music. We're also streaming live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. Subscribe to From Where We Are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. I'm Kevin Gramling. And I'm Sana Mahmood. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, we hope you'll join us again for From From Where Where We We Are. Are. So, what are your plans for spring break? Because I'm getting my wisdom teeth out. (laughs) I'm going to Mexico, so I'm very excited for that. But be careful. Don't get kidnapped. (laughs) 